Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to brothers and sisters today concerning these times that we're living in. They are certainly unusual for most folks, and and some of us, Lord, are having a very difficult time dealing with the crisis at hand. And so I pray that uh, as we go to your word, you're going to uh, open our eyes to the truth uh, and to embrace that truth into our own lives so that Uh, these serious times that we're living in will not be complicated by our lack of faith and our lack of trust in you. Now, thank you for these who are here this morning, Lord, to uh, be able to make this uh, video a reality. I thank you for the technology that uh, you have given to us so that we can maintain communication with each other. Uh, in times like these. Now, bless this time that all that we say, think, and do will be to your honor and to your glory, because I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. These are trying times for our country and for our community. Many of us have gone through such times in the past, but for many others, this is something that is brand new. As we've seen over the past few weeks, some people have difficulty handling with the crisis. Emotion and irrational thoughts take control and panic ensues. Others choose to ignore what's happening and continue to live as they always have lived. And that tends to complicate matters as well. But this morning I want to encourage us to do what the scripture tells us to do in times of uncertainty and in circumstances that we're unfamiliar with. And we will continue to do so each week until we're able to uh, meet again for worship in God's house. This past week, as I sat in the family room at our home, I looked out onto the back patio and I noticed a dove sitting on her nest in a calanchio plant that was hanging from the patio roof. It was raining outside, but no matter how intense the rain was falling, the dove didn't move off her nest. And then there were blue jays that continued to fly around her, antagonizing her, trying to get her off the nest so they could get to her chicks. But no matter how much they squawked and how close they flew to the nest, the dove didn't move. From past experience, I know that a dove will sit on her nest until her chicks are ready to fly away. As I watched that dove, 
I was reminded of the 91st Psalm. And I want you to turn in your Bible, if you will, to that Psalm and read along as I share with you the marvelous truths that the psalmist gives us in this wonderful Hebrew song. He writes, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord, and we pray his blessing upon the reading of his word. Now all of us know that there has been evil and there has been danger surrounding us for many, many years, all of our lives, in fact. But over the past several years, we've become more acutely aware, aware of this evil and the many forms that it takes. But I ask a question, does the psalmist really teach that God protects his people from all danger and harm? Not too long ago, there was an individual in our fellowship who... Um, whose spouse had become very, very ill with a terminal disease. And we were asked to pray, and we were asked to uh, counsel, and we were asked to minister. And passages such as these were quoted uh, by this individual, and uh, uh, she continued to uh, tell us that she believed exactly what uh, these words said. And yet... When her husband died, she became bitter. And she began to seriously doubt God. And she left the church and she said, I cannot believe in a God who does not honor his promises. 
And so I ask again, does this psalm and other psalms like it really teach us that God protects his people from all danger and all harm? Concern over the COVID-19 or the coronavirus has swept over our country like a storm. Federal and state and local governments have ordered many businesses to close or to curtail their services. People are being laid off work here in California. Social distancing has been engaged all in an attempt to safeguard us from contracting or from spreading the virus. And this concern in many places has turned into panic. And in the midst of such a crisis, it's easy to forget that as deadly as the virus is, and that life will become more difficult because of it, God, our Heavenly Father, maintains authority and sovereign control over all that takes place in his creation. Jesus told us to pray for God's daily provision, Matthew 6, verse 11. He taught us that God is aware of our needs and that he would provide for us as we seek his kingdom every single day, Matthew 6, verses 31 to 34. But when we read passages like the 91st Psalm or even in the 103rd Psalm, we question whether or not these promises are true. In looking at the 103rd Psalm, let me read to you verses 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Notice, he heals all your diseases. And then in the 91st Psalm, which is our text for this morning, verses 9 and 10, we are told, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling place. How are we to understand these promises? And should we legitimately question if such promises are true for us today? Does God really promise that those who trust in him will never experience sickness or disease or calamity? Now, King David, who wrote both the 91st Psalm and the 103rd Psalm, he suffered many setbacks in his life. And I've known, and I'm sure that you have known, many godly people who have suffered heart disease or cancer, pneumonia or stroke or diabetes or Alzheimer's or any one of a number of different 
ailments and diseases and health issues that we could name. Was King David in this psalm delusional or was he just spiritually speaking and spiritually minded when he penned such promises? Were these promises just reserved for the Hebrew people or are they given for us to trust in today? I want to address uh, this particular psalm and hopefully clarify some question or maybe even some misunderstanding with regard to what the Lord has really promised in verse 9 and verse 10. First of all, these promises are not the simple musings of a shepherd king. They are the promises of a sovereign God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They are as true for God's people today as they were when David first sang of them. Second, the psalm is personal. He writes, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. There is no our, there is no we in the text. This is not a national song of blessing, but it is a personal song born out of a heart that is devoted to the Lord. You see, a person cannot claim the promises or the provisions from a God he does not know or regard as Lord in his life. Third, these promises, like many promises of God, are conditional. Notice again what the psalmist wrote. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I think back on God's plagues upon Egypt, and especially the final plague concerning the death of the firstborn. There was a caveat to this plague. Everyone whose house was marked with the blood of the lamb would be spared the work of the death angel. So I'll ask a question. Were there Jewish homes in the land of Goshen that were not marked with the blood? I believe there were. Did the death angel ignore those Jewish homes that were not painted with the blood of the lamb on the doorpost? I believe he didn't. I believe that every home, whether Jew or Egyptian, that was painted with the blood of the lamb was spared the hand of the death angel. And every home that was not painted with the blood of the Lamb, whether Jew or Egyptian, the the hand of the death angel visited that home. I also think of Israel in the wilderness. In Numbers chapter 21, Moses led the children of Israel through the Arabah from Mount Hor. 
And the people complained to God and criticized Moses' leadership for taking them a longer route to the promised land than what other people knew they could get to through a shorter route. And so because of their complaining and because of their criticism, God sent poisonous snakes into the camp as a judgment upon his faithless people. People started dying. And God told Moses to make an image of a snake out of brass and to lift it up on a pole and tell the people to look at it if they were going to be saved from death. Let me ask you, did a lot of people obey and live? I believe they did. Did everyone obey and live? No. I don't believe everyone obeyed the word of Moses. The psalmist says in verse 9 and verse 10, Because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. A sanctuary is a place of safety. A refuge is a stronghold from danger. A dwelling place is both a sanctuary and a refuge. It is a place of safety and it is a place of hope. And the psalmist is telling us those who make the Lord their sanctuary, their refuge, their dwelling place can find in him safety and hope. But still, Does this psalm guarantee that no danger will come and no disease will harm that person? Well, let me ask another series of questions. Are not all peoples of the earth under the curse of sin and its effects, even Christian people? Doesn't God send the rain upon the just as well as the unjust? Didn't the faithful remnant suffer along with the unfaithful multitude? What of Jesus? Did he suffer in his physical life? What about Paul? What about the prophets? What about the apostles? Were they exempt from harm? Were they exempt from disease or from disasters? I want you to note carefully the words of the psalmist. He writes, Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. This song does not say that God protects us from all physical harm. What it does say is that no evil will befall that person and no plague will approach him. Now, are we splitting hairs here? No. Evil is what Satan devises against the people of God because they are the people of God. Plagues 
are what God sends as a judgment for sin and unrighteousness and unfaithfulness. We're protected from these things if we make the Lord our refuge and strength, even in the midst of a national or local crisis. Alexander McLaren wrote, quote, If I make God my refuge, I shall get something a great deal better than escape from outward sorrow, namely an amulet which will turn the outward sorrow into joy. The bitter water will still be given me to drink, but it will be filtered water out of which God will strain all the poison, though he leaves plenty of the bitterness in it, for bitterness is a tonic. And then listen to what he says. The evil that is in the evil will be taken out of it, in the measure in which we make God our refuge. And all will be right that seems most wrong when we recognize it to be his sweet will. End quote. And so let me encourage us, dear friends, that God is still the sovereign Lord of his universe. He is in control of all things. We know him by name as he knows us by name. He knows the very hairs on our head and the thoughts and the intents of our mind and heart. He promises <clears throat> he promises to us and his promises to us are as sure as his unchanging faithfulness to his people. But we need to understand that God's promise is not to protect us from every sickness or disease or health issue that may be common to man. That's our responsibility to safeguard ourselves from such things. And so I encourage you to follow the directives of our health specialists and uh, our leadership to honor the directives and to keep yourself safe and to provide for yourself those things that are necessary to avoid uh, the disease that is running rampant across our world. But also be assured of the fact that our Lord will continue to protect us from the evil devices of Satan and will not allow his judgments to rain down upon us as we continue to make the Lord our safety, our hope, and our stronghold in life. Let's pray. Father, may we be encouraged by your word. And may we lean heavily upon the strength and the encouragement of your Holy Spirit as he leads us, as he speaks to us, as he counsels with us those things that we need to do to safeguard from the virus that is uh, spreading across our country. And yet at the same time to keep in touch with each other, to encourage, to strengthen, to support 
and to pray with brothers and sisters who find themselves in a very difficult situation during this time of crisis. Help us, Lord, not to panic, but help us to trust in you and to trust in the leaders that you have placed over us so that we will see our way through this pandemic and that, Father, we will come out on the other side with a faith that is stronger and with a witness that is even brighter than it has been before. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.